Unforgiveness is a prison, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January will help you break out of the unforgiveness in your own life. It's titled, Unforgivable? How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. This new book is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. Or learn more about Unforgivable at issuesetc.org. Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives, The Issues Etc. Book of the Month. How does the church, a congregation, a pastor, deal with people who have special needs? We're talking about a wide spectrum of situations here from Special needs that may be physical, may, they may be mental or developmental, they may even be simply something like autism. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Joining us to talk about the church and autism, Dr. Carrie Chittick. She's director of Lutheran Learning Programs and associate professor in the School of Education at Concordia University, Irvine, California, and she formerly served as director of special education at Concordia University, Texas. Dr. Chittick, welcome. Thank you so much for having me today, Todd. So why do you want to talk about special needs in terms of giftedness? That's, that's a great question, and I thank you. And first and foremost, my prayer today is for, for God to be glorified and to encourage your listeners to share the gospel with everyone. And that is a big piece of those that learn differently, have diverse abilities, that they are gifted. God created all people in his image. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, as we were reminded in, in Psalm 139.14. And we are created for a purpose, and that purpose is different for everyone. And just because you or I don't understand someone doesn't mean that that isn't so for somebody. What is people first language? Give us some examples of that, if you would. Oh, people first language is essentially showing respect for all people, Todd. Um, it's talking about the person first. And essentially, that's promoting dignity for that person and essentially just calling a person by name. So instead of how we might define someone as societally, sometimes we might say that wheelchair kid, which could be a derogatory aspect. Um, instead, we could just say Brody or Brody who happens to be in a wheelchair, essentially just respecting people and calling them by name who they are. How do we recognize the beauty of those with special mm. needs? Oh, Todd, we, we just recognize people as, as people loved and created by God, our friends, our neighbors, our family, and acknowledging them as people and even the caregiver, too, as far as this being someone special to someone that's special to you. And even as far as just greeting people and not being afraid, engaging in conversation, smiling. And if the person might happen to be nonverbal, uh, you can still talk and say hello and smile and, and essentially not to assume or judge that that person is not listening because they are not looking at you. They very well may be. And they too value kindness and acknowledgement too. And so just remembering that, that there is beauty in how God created us all unique. What is autism 
and what unique challenges does it present to those who have it and those who care for them? Mm. Well, autism has been around for quite some time and how society hasn't interpreted that has has changed as we've learned more about those who who do have autism. What we do know is it's neurodevelopmental condition and it's related to brain development that affects how an individual may perceive or engage in the world around them. And there are some common characteristics for that. Typically manifests itself in social interactions and communication and thus can be overstimulating when being in communication with others. And a lot of times there's a repetitive behavior with persons with autism and as well as unique responses to sensory experiences. But at the end of the day, God calls us to love our neighbors regardless of ability and our understanding of them. What uh, special skills or characteristics sometimes come along with the autistic condition? Mm. Well, as we know, everyone is an individual, right? So everyone has their own individual abilities and skill set. So that's just the same as typically developing individuals, Todd. Some persons that I've met that have been diagnosed with autism have some savant-like characteristics, for example, like remembering facts or recalling certain details or numbers. I knew a young lady who was on the autism spectrum, and she had a job of building traffic light connections, and she had the highest percentage of, of, we'll call it perfection, in creating those of anyone. So she had a high skill set in that area. My my adult son was diagnosed with autism as a child, Asperger's at the time, and now I think you just say he's on the spectrum. He often describes how exhausting (laughs) social interactions can be for him. I mean, he can come back from, and he's very social, but he'd come back from a party or going out with friends, and he's just completely wiped. Why is this often the case? I'm sure, and I'm sure that is, Todd. Well, Every individual has his or her areas of comfort in social situations and interactions, right? And many with autism spectrum disorder are extremely exhausted in being involved in conversations or in social contexts because that's the area that the autism manifests in or where that can be an area of difficulty. And a lot of times people in conversations may not understand or essentially talk in the same way, the same language or have the same expectations. And what I understand also too is even in an environment, there are so many sensory aspects that can be distracting um, and that adds to that exhaustion. So for example, hearing the ticking of a clock or I had one young man I knew who said he could feel his hair grow. Now that would be distracting when you're trying to have a conversation. Even a tag itching on the neck of from your t-shirt or something of the like. There's a lot of sensory aspects that are involved that are distracting that at the end of the day can be very exhausting for a person's in social contexts. I had an insight from him several years ago. Uh, When he was younger, he really couldn't articulate. He's very highly verbal, very uh, functional, but he couldn't articulate what was frustrating him on a regular basis. And we had heard through kind of the popular media that kids with autism can't receive stimuli. They, They kind of shut it out. 
And when he was old enough to articulate it, he said, no, it's the exact opposite. Mm. I can't shut it out. I can't shut out anything. And that's why it's so hard to deal with. And I bet that was exciting to hear him able to communicate that and inform you of that, too. We're dealing with kids who are going to go to church and maybe the organ's going to be loud or the sound system's going to be making some kind of sound that they only they can hear. <laughs> How does the church become welcoming to kids who have this condition? I think a big piece of that, Todd, is, is awareness. And what is the purpose of our, of our churches? And, and that is to share the gospel and thinking about our calling of sharing the gospel and who is it for. It's not just for people who fit in this box. It's, it's for everyone. And if we think about the Great Commission and how Christ commanded us to go and make disciples, I think that is really our base to how we think about how we reach out and how we are welcoming to people, all people, regardless of ability or background, culture, etc. So maybe thinking about how, how do we make it accessible to everyone? Well, we pray. We give that to God and know that the Holy Spirit is definitely going to intervene. But we also have work to do, too. And part of that, I believe, would be to invite, you know, build a relationship with people to get to know them. We have parishioners that have children, and some children have autism or Down syndrome or so many things. And God calls us to to welcome and to build relationships. And that's part of how we're made. We're made as social beings, even though for some it is exhausting. But how do we, how do we work on that? How do we make that happen for families? Well, I think we really work together, Todd. We have to collaborate together. How do we make this possible? Because again, every individual is unique and different. Well, what works for him or her to be included and involved? And for example, we talked about the sensory aspect, you know, is that something where a child or a, a person, an adult would feel comfortable if he or she had sound canceling headphones while sitting in a pew or able to sit in a glassed in area of the sort or be able to wear shorts or a hat or, or sunglasses, whatever that might be. I think we just need to have an awareness of how individuals are different and to not judge or not assume that the Holy Spirit isn't working because we know indeed that he is. And uh, there's so many different ideas and resources out there that can be a support for how we make a plan, but then also take action to do so. I think if we just sit idle, we are not using the gifts that God gave us to share the gospel. And, and really, it, it does take time. It takes investment. And I'm not going to promise that it's always easy, but that's in any situation, in any working with people. But just to have no fear, because we know God is with us, and and He will He will be with on our side and and guide us through that. And we are to cast the net like Jesus. What advice would you give a pastor who thinks he might be autistic or is mm. struggling with autism? It's a great question, Todd. Again, there's a lot of resources that are available at our fingertips these days. But I think regardless of struggling with autism or whatever that might be, we all struggle as humans. And and how do we better ourselves, so to say? Well, we create goals on how we can do our job 
in a better way? How can we be more effective? And I do this with my students too. I ask them to, you know, create their goals on how they want to, what they want to learn. So I would encourage that for a pastor to create some goals on what to work on, what to polish, what to improve upon, and also seek support with his family, friends, colleagues, and even counsel, and then make a plan. And that doesn't mean that, that, that those goals are going to happen and change tomorrow. But if we don't do anything, they're not going to change at all. But if we make a plan and take action and really being intentional with that, that those could be some encouraging words for someone, you know, even just starting small. And the most important thing, obviously, is to pray through it and pray about it on how God is, is changing our hearts and changing our abilities then to share the gospel. How can Lutheran schools and churches assist and, out, and reach out to those with special needs, including autism? Mm. I think we go back to the Great Commission, Todd, to really think about how God is calling us to share the gospel, and that's opening doors. And of course, we have to be realistic on what we are able to provide, but if we are able to do something just so simply as an invite, as building those relationships and thinking maybe outside of the box, so to say, to make that happen. It may not be a typical situation. As we know, Jesus did not sit in the temple and wait for people to come to him. He went out, and that could be an encouraging aspect for our pastors, for our churches, for our schools too. Could it be a home visit, you know, a home church kind of situation, or then meeting with a family in a park, or really, I would encourage to have a conversation with a family that has a child with autism and make a plan. And how can that then start the conversation for sharing the gospel with that child and with that family? Dr. Carrie Chittick is director of Lutheran Teaching Programs and associate professor in the School of Education at Concordia University, Irvine. She formerly served as director of special education at Concordia University, Texas. Carrie, thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. Friday on Issues Etc., we'll discuss the progressive assault on moral reality with Dr. James Wood, and we'll have Dr. Stephen Parks respond to Catholic Answers series, Six Early Church Controversies Protestants Can't Answer. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, IssuesETC.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.